This is a sermon brought to you by Good News Bible Church, where we believe we should love God, love others, and make disciples. We are located in Chicago's Logan Square neighborhood and invite you to join our family live every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. as we praise and worship with songs and learn about God through the study of the Bible. You can visit our website at goodnewschi.org. That's goodnewschi.org. Let's turn now to hear what the Word of God has for us this week. Um, <clears throat> so it's going to be a very repetitive time of uh, learning, but I am exi- I'm super excited to be with you guys back uh, teaching and uh, teaching you what God has uh, taught me through Psalm 23. And um, if you, as you guys know, the passage is Psalm 23. So if you turn to your Bibles, I'm just going to open up this service in a word of prayer. Dear God, we, uh, we thank you for the love, the comfort, uh, the strength that you provide to us on a daily basis. We thank you for your son and how he has died for us. And we thank you for your word and how you speak to us. God, I pray today that you will move mightily through our time of worship, that we will be challenged, encouraged, and convicted. Uh, let us... Let your words flow through me clearly with full authority from you. We love you and thank you in your son's name. Amen. It isn't just amazing just to see the kids uh, just come up here and share what they've been learning, uh, just kind of hear uh, th- their experience through Children's Church over the last six weeks. Uh, it's just been awesome to see Amelia come home and just talk with her about it. Uh, and again, going, being, and helping through it. Uh, one week and just seeing how the kids enjoyed it and how much they were learning is just an awesome experience. So just thank you to all the volunteers, uh, to uh, Maria and Carmelo, or as I know them, mom and dad or pop, um, and all the volunteers that helped. Yeah, they really did an amazing job, and we just praise God for their uh, serve uh, their servant's heart. Um, so as we open today, I just wanted to uh, just think about a time in your life that. Maybe something really exciting happened to you. Maybe something exciting happened to a person you love or a spouse or a friend, a best friend. And they tell you this story, and you are awed, and you are amazed, and you are shocked. And you go to a party, or you go to an event, or you go to a get-together, and you're telling everybody, hey, you got to listen to this guy's story. It's like a a near-death experience. It's amazing. And as they're telling the story... You see the shock and the surprise on everybody else's face, and they're just wowed by it. And you're like, yeah, I told you, that was a great story. But as time goes on, and as you heard that story maybe 50 to 100 times, that story loses its luster. It loses its awe and surprise factor. And maybe that person close to you is sharing that story at a dinner, and you roll your eyes, and you say, well, and you give away the ending, effectively killing that story. And you're like, yeah, I heard that a million times, and you walk away. You see, that can happen as we hear passages in the Bible and stories of the Bible since we were a very little child in children's church, in Sunday school. And as I as do uh, my study and my preparation, I, do, I read a lot of commentaries and I listen to some sermons to get some different points of view. And uh, one pastor uh, really pointed out that as we get older and as we are sitting in church on a, daily, on a weekly basis... We tend to think of these children's classics, and maybe as I say children's classics, you think of David and Goliath, you think of 
Samson and Delilah. You think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Noah's Ark. And we all know those stories. But we don't really hear them being preached from the pulpit a lot. And it's because as we get older, we get more mature, we think we need to try to think of different Bible stories that we need to go deeper on. But what do these stories teach you about God when you heard them for the very first time? You could think way back to when you were in Sunday school as a little child. And just think, as you walked out of Sunday school and you heard of God using a man with long hair to disrupt the Philistine army with just the jawbone of a donkey. You think about how God protected three young boys in a furnace, and when they walked out of that furnace of fire, they didn't smell anything like smoke. You think about God parting the Red Sea, letting his people walk on dry land, yet the next moment closing it on an army that was trying to hurt his people. We think of a young shepherd's boy who defeats a seasoned warrior. See, this is the God that we serve, and this is the God that we are learning about today. And those stories should bring a wonder, they should bring a sense of shock, they should bring an awe to us and think, yeah, this is my God that is walking with us every single day of our life. See, when Amelia came home and told me what she was going to be learning about in children's church. And she said Psalm 23. I was excited. You know, I love that psalm. But honestly, we hear it a lot, right? We hear it at funerals. We hear it when we're going through hard times. And a lot of times we can read, when we get to these stories, we can either scoot past the times that we've heard them over and over and believe that we know it. And for me, when she started reciting it, I would recite it with her. And she stops me and she's like, Papi, uh, you're not saying it right. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? Let me look at this paper that Moella gave you and make sure it's correct. And I look at my Bible, I look at the paper, and I'm like, oh, she's 100% right. I was mixing up some verses. I was mixing up some words. And it made me sit back and think to myself, yeah, a lot of times these wonder and awe moments in the Bible really can lose their luster over time. And it breaks my heart to say that because of everything that God has brought my family through and maybe and has brought you guys through in different circumstances that we can be so short-sighted that we forget the characteristics of our God that we serve. And we can be kind of, we can look at him and, and look at the Bible and just kind of skim over those amazing stories that we hear from when we were a child. And when we do that, when we, when we do that, we start, lose, we start acting in an uncharacteristic of what a Christian should look like. You see, when we skip over the Bible and we start losing the characteristics of God, of what he means to us in our life and what the Bible says God is and what he does, we can let things as, such as fear creep into our life. Fear of the future, fear of the past, decisions that we made. Fear of the unknown, you know, what's going to happen to me if my money doesn't stretch? What will happen if I turn down a job that, you know, everybody's telling me I should take, but I know in my heart God is telling me not to take it? What happens if I tithe this week and I can't afford groceries? What happens if I share the gospel with people close to me and they never look at me the same way again and they don't want to talk to me about different, about, about their life or they just ignore me for the rest of the time that they know me? 
See, fear is something that we can all struggle with, but fear is not from God. And one thing that I struggle with, and just being vulnerable with you all, is when, uh, when I come up here and I do pray for offering and I say I want to give with a cheerful heart, a lot of times that's a prayer that I'm praying for myself. Because a lot of times when money does get tight, when money is not there that I think it is, my first thought is like, okay, I can either give less with my tithe or maybe not give at all. And that's something that I'm working on. That's something that my wife and I are working on. But we see when we let that fear creep in and we're not giving, whether it's be our time or our money or anything else to God, we are not trusting that he is there. We are not looking at those stories and thinking, okay, if he saved those people and he protected them and provided them, if he raised his son from the dead and that person, that Holy Spirit is within me, why am I so fearful? So as we read Psalm 23, let's try and read it as if they were reading it for the very first time. Let's think about the time we first heard Psalm 23 and just put ourselves back in that shoes, whether you were five years old when they first heard it for the first time, or maybe today is the first time you, re- you heard it. So if you would turn with me to Psalm 23, I'm going to read uh, the whole uh, chapter again. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we look at the first verse, and we see, as the kids have pointed out and stole my points, the Lord provides, correct? He gives us absolutely everything that we need. And I don't know a lot about farming or taking care of animals. I spent a summer on a ranch one time and almost got ran over by a cow. And I decided I'm not touching these animals. Not going to do that again. So I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not a shepherd. But as I've learned from what Amelia has taught me and what I've learned from doing my research, they can't be herded like cattle. You see, the shepherd needs to walk alongside them. He needs to guide them and he needs to protect them. And he provides them, sorry, he provides them in every way, for them in every way. We see food and rest. He wants his sheep to be content with what they have because ultimately the shepherd knows best. You see, if the shepherd was just to let the sheep wander and try to find their own food, try to find their own green pastures, try to find still waters, his sheep will be gone. The predators will get him, they'll get scared of the water, they'll run away, and then he'll have a huge mess on his hands. And David knows this, and David is laying the baseline as God, as, as, as he's creating this baseline of who God is as a shepherd. You see, the shepherd makes his sheep lie down in the green pastures so that he can, they can get fed, so that they can have rest. There's been stories of rivers being dammed by shepherds so that the river can be still. Because as the kids said, when the sheep 
the sheep get scared very, very easily, and they will not drink from that water that's rushing, that's a flowing river. So the shepherd is doing this. He's providing for them in this way. He's putting them in a place to grow and to become strong and to be nourished. Because this is his job, and he loves his sheep because this is his way of life. So sheep need guidance. They need to be forced to lie down. And the one thing I love about this uh, description of, of God as a shepherd is he's telling us this is where I'm giving you this food, I'm giving you this water, I'm giving you this rest. One thing that we see that it says that he restores our soul. David doesn't say that the food and the water and the rest are going to restore our soul. As we hear a lot today that we just need to take a break, I need to go, I need to eat a good meal, I need to drink some water, I need to just sit and relax and I want nobody to bother me because that is going to restore my soul. I need to be refreshed. And yes, those things are important, but the one thing that is going to actually restore your soul and bring it back to where it needs to be is God. It's not the food, it's not the drink, it's not our rest and relaxation or vacations, it's God. He does the restoring and he does the nourishing. And there's nothing here on this earth, absolutely nothing, that we, that, that, that we can be content with without God. That's going to make us fully satisfied. See, Christ is our good shepherd and David understands that he doesn't want anything else but to be in his flock. He doesn't want anything else but to be under God's command because he knows that's where he is going to be satisfied and that's where he knows he's going to be safe. No matter the, what situation we are in life, if we are, being if we are being attacked, maybe it's a physical attack with health, maybe it's a spiritual attack, maybe it's a mental uh, attack, we can have confidence that God is not only protecting us from our enemies, but he is sustaining us through the valley. See, God doesn't just watch from afar. We see in Exodus that when the people cried out to God, he heard them. We see that in Judges, when his people repented of their sin, he heard them and sent a Savior to relieve them of their pain. He is present. He is aware. And so I have to always ask myself when I'm reading this passage is, why do I get so terrified at times when there's sight of trouble? Why is fear the first thing that I have when I'm trying to fix it myself? When things get a little rocky, we can tuck and hide. See, David is speaking from experience. He's not just a shepherd boy riding in, a, uh, in, in this pasture thinking to himself, oh, I believe this is what God's going to do. No, he is a seasoned king at this time, and he's looking back at his life. And when we know the life of David, we see from a very young age, his life was threatened. He was in fear of his life when he was a boy, when he was serving his king Saul. He was in fear of his life when he was anointed and Saul was chasing after him, trying to kill him. He was in fear for his life when he was an aged king and his own son turned against him and tried to kill him also. So David is writing from a, a wealth of experience of God protecting him in the worst times imaginable. 
God really does take care of us, and he does provide for us even in the valley of the shadow of death, even in the presence of our enemies. And this, it, this fact alone should make us feel that sense of wonder, that sense of awe, that sense of comfort, that our God is here, that our God is present. He is aware of everything from our secret sins that we have to our thought patterns that make us go astray. He knows everything about us, yet he still loves us, and he still will take care of us. And he's not going to leave us when we are in danger. He's going to provide our needs when we ask. See, he's there guiding us by the still waters. He's giving us rest. He's giving us an ability to refuel, and, he's able, and he is continually restoring our souls. And some of us do have broken and tired souls this morning. So go to him because he provides. As God is our provider, he also protects. You see, if we follow him on the path of righteousness, and sometimes we do stray. Sometimes we want to go our own way. Sometimes we want to try to do it ourselves. And the only response I have when I feel this feeling of trying to either fix my sin myself or fix these things on my own is why would I ever want to do that? Why would I, who know who Christ is, try to do something that he just does not want me to do? Why do we constantly try to handle everything on our own instead of going and running to our shepherd who is there guiding us? What usually happens when we try to step off the path just like a sheep does, we put ourselves in danger. If a sheep goes astray... He's leaving himself open from not being protected by the shepherd. He's leaving himself open to being eaten by a predator or lost or stuck. We are most protected when we are following our shepherd. And when we're off the path, that's when we see our fear creep in. That's when we are not content. That's when we're continually searching for something else to fill us, to fill that void. We start thinking, well, what's the next emergency that's going to happen in my life? You know, what's, if everything is going good right now, but something just may fall out from under me and I'm going to be miserable. How can, the next, how can I get to that next momentary pleasure? You know, whatever it may be, our anxiety shoots through the roof. And when we think about even death, we think about and troubles, they start to consume our life. And it doesn't have to be that way. See, David writes that God is going to guide us through those things. See, worry and being scared and anxiety, they're all valid feelings that we can have. But when we let those feelings consume us, we need to ask ourselves, are we truly trusting in what God has said and what, who God is? We can, truly, we can say that we're worried, but we also can say, I know God is going to get us through this. Because he's gotten us through before, and he will continue to get us through the next one, and the next one, and the next one after that. As God protects, we look at the two instruments that David uh, has given uh, examples of, the rod and the staff. And the staff is uh, the most kind of memorable thing you have when you think of a shepherd, right? It's the staff with the hook on it. And that was extremely important because it would let the sheep know that the shepherd is there. The, the staff would also be able to get into tight places that the sheep maybe fell into. 
Uh, there's uh, instances where if, the, if a little lamb had gotten astray, he would lift it up with the hook and bring it back to the, to the mother so that the mother wouldn't reject it if they touched it with her, his bare hands. There's different uses for the staff, but as we think of the staff being a gentle guide of, of pushing us along, letting us know that, he, that he's there. One writer writes that when he saw a shepherd leading his sheep and how the staff was guiding the sheep, it looked like as if the shepherd was holding the lamb's hand and they were walking hand in hand. And when we think about that, when we think about God being present in our lives, protecting us, how he's not far, how he's always there, and, the, and how even if we go astray, he's looking for us, he's searching for us, he's calling us back to him. And when we think of us walking hand in hand with Christ, that should give us an extreme amount of comfort. We think about the rod, and the rod was used as uh, two things. It was used as discipline and also to protect the sheep from predators. So that same tool to use to protect was also used to stir that sheep along, that stubborn sheep who was not going on the path. He was to hit it a little bit and get it going. And when we think about these two tools, we, we think about how following God isn't always gentle at times. It can be a little rough. But we have faith in the shepherd that we trust him, that we know, we know, we believe that he knows what he's doing. That he's going to guide us to the right way. That it may hurt to follow him. It may hurt to stay put on that path that he has us. When everything else looks so enticing to leave, to go, to, to, to just run away from his path. But we need to trust him, even though it may be fear, we may have a fear in our hearts. Because he is all-knowing and he is all-powerful. And God will protect us in our every need. As we move forward, he says that he sets a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He's literally giving us all that we need and doing that in the presence of attack. Let's think about that for a moment. Like, in the midst of our troubles and our pain and the fear and anxieties and people maybe trying to hurt us physically or just against us, he is literally providing everything we need to get through this. He has prepared this feast for you. And the one uh, aspect that I, I think I've probably read it a million times that I just never really sat down and thought about it. I think it was when I helped out in children's church that week that really like I saw it happening and I was like, oh, wow, that, that makes sense. When we think about the cup overflowing, right? I don't know if you guys have ever accidentally not paid attention and you just see you just pouring something on the table and then all of a sudden the cup just kind of goes everywhere. And you're like trying to make sure that it's not going to hit your neighbor. It's not, it's not, maybe you're out to dinner and you're just embarrassed. Maybe you're on a date and you're like, oh, man, sorry. Uh, maybe it's you just don't want it to go over because you're just embarrassed of spilling your cup. When, we, when our cup overflows, it doesn't just stay just in one spot. It's literally going out to everybody around us. It's going to be pouring out over this table. It's going to be going onto some of our food. It's going to be going everywhere. And when we think about God overflowing our cup, whatever he's overflowing our cup with, maybe it's our time. Maybe we're just like, man, I have a lot of time right now. Maybe I have gotten to this point in my life where work e is easier and I'm able to give someone a lot of my time. Or maybe just a little bit of your time. Five minutes is an overflow for some people. Maybe it's love. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's 
Whatever it is, God is blessing each and every single one of us with different things, different gifts. And if we're sitting here trying to just stop this overflow, what are we really doing? We should be letting that time, that love, that experience, that, 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 that teaching, that learning, all those things pour out so that it's not just feeding us, that we're not being selfish with it, but we're helping the community with it. We're helping the people of Logan Square, of Humble Park. We're just really just going out there and saying, yeah, this is my extra, this is whatever it is, and I'm giving it to you. This last week, uh, I had to do a fundraiser for work where you, it's called Fill the Boot, and you're helping kids with muscular dystrophy, and I'm walking down the street you know, asking people, hey, can you put money in my boot and help some kids, this and that and the other. And the area that I work in is, it's not the most, um, they don't have a lot of money sometimes, but people were just giving a lot. And I asked this one lady, and she, um, she as I got closer, I said, hey, would you like to donate some money? She's like, I don't have any money. I was like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. And as I saw her, I realized that she herself was asking people for money. And I was, and I kind of felt bad, you know, I was like, well, just have a good day, you know, no problem. And 10 minutes later, though, as I'm asking people for money, I hear her say, sir, sir. And I turn around, and it's this lady. And in her hand is just a, a, a handful of quarters and pennies and dimes. She's like, this is all I have. This is all I can give. And it just broke my heart because I don't know her story. I don't know what she's struggling with, but I know that she needed her own money. She needed help herself. I don't know if she was a Christian or not. We didn't have that much interaction. But when I think of someone giving all that they have, how much more can we as Christians give to those people around us? And it doesn't have to be money. I'm not here to say money. It could be literally anything, as I said. Our cup should overflow so much to those people around us, and we shouldn't be trying to stop it and clean up the mess. We should just be going out and helping them in any way that we can. We need to love those around us so much that we are able to give the blessings that we are given to use for his ministry to reach and help those around us so God can work through us to provide in, for those in need. See, he anoints our head with oil, and as we heard that it was a cleaning uh, ceremony, but also we see that in David's life, it was a very important time in his life as he was anointed as the king of Israel. That God was calling him his. And as we're, the shepherd is cleaning and taking care of the sheep, that's a way of him calling us his. So we are his. And goodness and mercy is going to follow us all the days of our life as we dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, goodness and mercy is, a, is, is something that we can, uh, two words that we can just kind of skim over to. When we think about his goodness and how great he is and how much he has given us, not even physically, but just spiritually, for those of us who have called us Christians, as, as he has sent his son to die for us, that is his goodness in purest form. And when we conjoin that with mercy and how he could punish us for the things that we have done and how we all deserve that punishment of death, but he's showing us mercy. He is showing compassion on us. He could bring judgment on us, but he has provided us a way to forgive, to be forgiven. 
And when we read the words to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, it also can be translated as we need to return to the house of the Lord's sanctuary. It was a messianic uh, type of uh, um, wording to look forward to the Messiah, to the coming king, to look forward to Jesus. And as we read this, we can look back to see how Jesus came and how he has given us an ability to be in the house of the Lord and have and the ability to worship him and praise him forever. When we read this psalm, I hope that it has given us a new sense of what it means as God as our shepherd. I hope it provides a new view of what the shepherd does for us, and I hope it reignites some just some awesomeness as we hear kids who have maybe heard this for the first time and see the joy in their eyes and, and it light up a little bit and it, them connecting dots of who God means, what God means as a shepherd. And as they tell you, I pray that we are not just faking the excitement when we're listening to them, but we ourselves are so excited for them and excited for ourselves to see God as our shepherd. To reignite the awesomeness of God as he will literally walk and guide us through every trouble that we have. That he is restoring your tired and weary soul. That he is covering us as we walk in the ways of righteousness for his amazing name. That name that we should be shouting out in every conversation that we have. That we should be telling people in every single aspect of our job, of our neighborhood, of who we're talking to when we're buying groceries. That we should really be so excited and so our cup should be overflowing that he loves us so much that we want to show those people around us that he loves them too. That we trust in our good shepherd. The Messiah that we are to worship and trust with all our hearts. See, this passage does not say that we should put our faith in people or in ministries or in authors or in singers, but we need to put our faith in the Lord because he is going to guide us. He is going to sustain us and restore us through the hardest times. And church, I want you guys to be encouraged as you leave here today because this is the God that you and I serve. But we, like I mentioned, we shouldn't just keep that encouragement and that excitement in as we leave these doors. We all have people that we know that need to know who God is, that needs the love of God, that needs to hear that we, they need to repent of their sins. And we need to show them that as a church, we trust in our good shepherd to lead us through anything. That he can guide us through the hardest of times. That he can, when we are walking through it, he is right there with us, holding our hand, guiding us, restoring us. Because we can say it with our mouths as much as we want, but as we, if we don't live this truth out, the people of, of Logan Square and Hall Park will see that. We will not reach anybody, whether it be at your job, whether it be in our neighborhood. It doesn't matter how many outreaches that we do. If we don't believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, and if we don't trust in him fully, it's gonna, they're going to see that there's no love there. There's no love for our God there. Our God is our good shepherd. I hope that we marvel at these events in history as we go back and reread those passages in the Bible that how, showing how God is and his characteristics of him. And I hope that it reignites a passion for him 
that maybe we lost a little luster for. I know I did. But I am so grateful for the children's uh, uh, church this, these last six weeks. I'm so grateful for this challenge to preach this word and to have this study going on in my own life because it really, really ignited uh, characteristics of God that I maybe have forgotten or I looked over. We need to show people around us that God can restore them and that God will show them mercy and goodness. Would you please pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for who you are. Uh, we thank you for leading us, God. We thank you for guiding us and restoring us, Lord. Lord, I pray that today you will allow us to feel you. I, I pray that you will allow us to feel you gently walking next to us, protecting us, Lord, and providing for us, Lord. Lord, we love you. I pray that that love would just pour out to the people around us, no matter who we come into contact with. They would look on us and see that we trust in someone else who is guiding us, God, that we are not doing this life on our own, that the pain that we feel in our hearts, the pain that we feel in our minds, Lord, that you are in control of all of it, Lord, that the spiritual attacks and the physical attacks that we may have, we know that you are in control of it all. God, I just pray for every single person in this room, Lord, I pray that you will give them a clear mind, Lord, that you will give them a, a, a clear heart, God, and that fear would just be removed from their lives and my life, Lord, that we would not fear to give all that we have for you. God, I just pray that we would honor you as we leave today, Lord, that we would not do anything that is not on your path that you are leading us on, Lord, that we would look into your word and search and find what you are saying to us, God. Lord, I pray that we would look to you and to you only for guidance, God. Not what our emotions feel, not what we, that fear that, again, that of, of the future or of our life, Lord, of what it may hold, but that we would look to you and what you want us to do, Lord. Lord, you are a good shepherd. We this has been a presentation of Good News Bible Church, where we equip people to love God, love others, and make disciples. To help support our mission, please visit our online giving portal through our website at www.goodnewsshy.org.